Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late to drink the Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. It's Employee of the Month with Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. If it's your first time tuning in, Employee of the Month is all about um, work. And that's why in this episode, we talk about crabs. It makes perfect sense. Um, I had on the phenomenal Patty Lapone. Um, she's a tour de force. I highly recommend you uh, reading her book because I found it fascinating because she's just so honest and shows up to play ball. And... Um, with some really difficult folks. It's a, it's a really fascinating read of how to negotiate the politics um, of the business. And it, it always feels like when you're, at the, when you're just starting out or breaking in, like, oh, if only I get X, Y, or Z. And it, it, no, it's, it's always there. <laughs> so it's a, a wonderful read to see how she negotiates it along the way um, and how they grow and change um, politically. That kind of stuff. And on this episode, we have a very special moment where she spontaneously sings with Titus Burgess. I want to thank Andrew Gorelli. Um, and you should listen to the trilogy of these episodes. It's going to be Titus Burgess, John Hamm, and Patty Lapone. I want to thank Russ and Daughters, FCTRY Factory, um, and Brain Pickings for being phenomenal sponsors. It's the only way we've been able to stay afloat. Um, debating whether I'm going to be continuing the podcast or just be doing the live shows, which are starting up again in the fall. Um, so thank you, everyone, for all of your support, and hope you enjoyed this episode. It was recorded live at Joe's Pub. Please welcome back to Joe's Pub the legendary Lady Patty Lapone. Oh, bloody, how bloody life goes on. La, la, how the life goes on. Oh, bloody, oh, bloody life goes on. Gorgeous. You look you look beautiful. Are you very kind? No, I'm just honest. What? <laughs> I'm just honest. Oh, I'm not you. casting thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Weren't the guys great? Oh my god. <laughs> I want to ask them questions. I know. Well, we'll have to do it again. Can we yeah. do this again? Well, you know what I thought when, when I was sitting back there, I went, why aren't all three of us up here together asking? Because we would never get done. They would, they would never let us into Joe's Pub. They were strict about making sure that we're out on time, and I thought we should get out before the end of you know, June. Um, so I, w- I wanted to start off and, and ask you about growing up performing with your, your brother Bobby, because um, first of all, you guys were the first siblings ever nominated for Tonys at the same time. You and, know that. <laughs> and we have um, <laughs> pictures of you guys as, as kids. Yeah. Um, and I, was there sibling rivalry? Like, what's it like performing, you know, with your brother? Well, I, I, um, we, start, we started with, my brother's a twin. Yes. So there were three of us. The Lapone Trio. The Lapone Trio. And my brother Billy wanted nothing to do with it, but for some reason my brother Bobby and I dragged him along. My parents dragged him along, not us. 
Um, Bobby and I knew what we were going to do and Billy just had to come along. But there were times when there would be sibling rivalry and we would, we, did, we had an, it was called the Lapone Trio and it was an adagio waltz to the bell of the ball. And there would be lifts and they would drop me on the, <laughs> that's it for you, sister. I hate you. And they would drop me. I called the amateur hour. Cause I was, oh, the Ted Mac amateur Yeah, hour, I was yeah. trying to find the footage because you were on no, the show. No, it's not there. I know, you told me you'd already called. I, well, because someone got in touch with me. We've, we've tried to get this footage. I, it was my, my junior high school prom, and I couldn't go because I was on, I was 13, and I was on the Ted Mac Amateur Hour doing the bell of the ball, cut in half, and um, we've, somebody contacted me from, that was a, either a floor manager for uh, the Ted Mac Amateur Hour, and he, he sent me the the note card that had the Lupone trio bell of the ball one and a half minutes but that's the, it that was the amount of time you're on they, they cut it in half yeah and wow. they um, the um, television academy doesn't have it they can't find it so whatever but that was something because my brother Bobby and I were going it was like okay here we are in New York City and we're on the Ted Mac amateur hour and you have to rehearse in the afternoon and then you have to hang out all day and Bob and I were just Bobby and I were just like Okay, I'm like bored and we're walking around the lobby of, I can't even remember the theater it was in, but we heard that the, 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 the people from the Ted Mac Amateur Hour tell the guy from Tennessee who sang, I left my heart in San Francisco, that he would be the winner. And Bobby yeah. and I went, did we, did we just really hear that it's fixed? Rigged. So we told our my mother, our dance teachers, and they were going, ah, it's not fixed. And of course, he won at the end, and it's it was totally like, rigged. It was it was the first. Where, where is he now? The, who knows? But it was the first like show business stinks. <laughs> Thirteen right. years old. Right. It was horrible. But you know. And then I went to my prom. I you know we drove back to Long Island, and I met the guy that was supposed to take me to the prom at the party afterwards. And I looked at my hands, and it was filthy. My hands were dirty. Just because it was the environment of show business. Yeah, it's so unsexy. It's so unclassy. It's so not glamorous. <laughs> it really isn't. I don't know where that comes. Except when I look at the, the Kardashians at Cannes. Then I go, oh, or Cannes. Then I say, oh, it's glamorous. And I see the supermodels at Cannes. And I go, oh, that's where it's glamorous. But yeah. for the working people, I don't think it's glamorous. Well, that's why I love, like, I'm obsessed with your book. I'm yeah. going, like, I'm personally plugging it because I love this book so much <laughs> but you really talk about what it's like to be a working actor and how exploited actors are in such a um important way because it's yeah. not that we're not grateful to be doing what we love we are but it doesn't mean that you can't also be exploited I think yeah I think that um unless you stand up for yourself in certain situations that you will be exploited by your producers. I remember when, oh, this is horrible, 9-11 happened, and I was... Well, that's always a funny subject. People love that. <laughs> All right, then that I won't talk about that one. But no, we were, we, were, we were in rehearsal for Noises Off, and it was a British director, and we went, it was the second day of rehearsal, on 19th Street, and we got there after the event, and it was, we all just went there like Pavlov's dogs. We went to rehearsal, and we were looking at each other not really comprehending what had happened, and the director wanted to rehearse, and we went, mm, we've been attacked. And then what happened, 
the rehearsal was called off that day, but what happened was the producers in the Broadway theater wanted all of the shows that were playing at the time and in rehearsal to do an ad for nothing to encourage people to come back to Broadway after the attack. And I remember thinking, but, and then what they did was they put it on the movie screens for like eight weeks afterwards. And all of the, the dancers and the chorus and the actors that had done that for nothing, thinking we were doing it in solidarity with New York City, were getting ripped off by the producers. They were simply saying, this is a free ad. This is, a, this is free publicity for Broadway. And I get really crazy when that happens. I get crazy that, they, that, that we are treated like so much chattel. That, that, and we're not. I mean, we are an integral part of the experience. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking. And you get reputations. Of course you do, if you're, especially if you're a woman, if you yeah. stand up and say something. Yeah, which, hey, put it away, motherfucker. <laughs> Patty LaFone, guys. How much do you want to have Patty LaFone everywhere you go? <laughs> but you can, you can in this environment. But what were you texting? I'm curious, what did you say? Are you a doctor? Oh, well, then you must answer her. You must answer your wife. No, pull it out and tell her where you are. Tell her how much you've had to drink. Tell you with your boyfriend. <laughs> and tell her you're leaving her. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, learning about being the first you know, drama class at Juilliard, it seemed like John Hausman's uh, training for the paper chase, which is supposed to be about Harvard Law School and, and you know, having this Socratic method and this horrible teaching, was really based on how they taught at Juilliard. Yeah, he, he, he screened it for, we had become the acting company, and he screened it for us in Saratoga because he was, a now, he was now an actor, and he was screening it for the actors he trained. And we all went, yeah, so new. You know, it was like, right. there's nothing new with that performance. That's who you are. Is it still as strict now as it was then? No, it's not. Um, they have a wonderful president, uh, uh, Joe Polisi, Joseph Polisi. When we went to Juilliard, Peter Menon was the... the um, I guess the president of the school. I don't know what you'd call him. The, I guess the president of dean? the school. The dean, something like that. And it was the Juilliard School of Music. And in order for them to move down to Lincoln Center, they had to become a complete performing arts wing, so they added the drama division. And Peter Menon and John Hausman didn't like each other at all. So we were really the, the um, black sheep of the school. And, um, but at the time, Juilliard did not have dormitories, they have them now. They're down at Lincoln Center, and on 65th Street, there are fantastic dormitories. So kids that came in from the Midwest, from anywhere. Staten Island. Well, it, <laughs> but it, it, it could be that. You had to go to Juilliard and get berated and whipped for 13 hours a day, six days a week, and then deal with the streets. Pardon me, deal with the streets if you didn't know New York City. Yeah. And there were kids that were the most talented kids in our class from Minnesota, from California, that didn't make it because they didn't know how to deal with the streets in New York City. They, they, they were brilliant actors and they went out on the streets of New York and they were like... They just couldn't get a map. We had, and, and at the time, 
No, I mean, they couldn't get a like map. It is like the most logical no. city based on Paris. It has everything. But they, but they also, we had a lot of suicides. There were a lot of suicides in <laughs> Juilliard. They Juilliard couldn't had. figure out where to go? What? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, because of the, because of the training. Okay. And then having to deal with the streets of New York City. Wow. But we had, we had, Juilliard did have one of the highest suicide rates, not just in the drama department, but in the music department wow. as well. Because... The pressure. You, well, because if you are first chair violin in your hometown and then you're accepted at Juilliard, you are competing against first chairs from other towns yeah. to be the first chair in the Juilliard Orchestra. And so it... But Joseph Polisi, who is now the president of the school, is much nicer than Peter Menon ever was. And um, I think the drama division isn't as strict as it was when I was at school. I, I spent my entire first year in tears every single night, and just crying my eyes out, going, what am I doing? And yet, I wanted that training. Yes, I mean, you, well, you are a phenomenal actor, and I'm so impressed that you survived it, because it seems absolutely traumatizing re reading my, about it. My brother, who was in the dance division, said to me, it's not getting into Juilliard, it's getting out straight in your head. And that's the truth. It's like, you, you know, you, you, you have to take in what they are trying to teach you and remember who you are and then get out. And when you, rather get out straight with your head on straight. And we didn't think that you were talking about people in the drama department getting out straight. No, well, they all came, they all came out and they all came out. We didn't, you know, nobody, we didn't talk about homosexuality. And yet when we were in our second year and as the acting company, one night, all the boys came out. They all came out. Almost, was, almost all of them, but your boyfriend, we have a picture of you with Kevin Klein. Um, we'll show no, that Jason. Kevin should come out, finally, don't you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's see. Jason, do you have the photo of um, Patty with Kevin? Maybe not. We just, here we go. Yeah. Patty's so gorgeous. Um, so I wanted... I wanted to hear about... There's something in the water in St. Louis because he's from St. Louis and so is John. That's it. That's, we have to go there to find these hot men yeah. who um, can't keep their pants on. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, I wanted to ask you about um, crabs. Oh, yeah. Well, there was some... Um, our, our, our second year as the acting company, um, we performed in Saratoga and um, somebody had crabs. <laughs> and somebody didn't take care of it. And the crabs went from him to the costumes to all of us. And, <laughs> and we were in these horrible dormitories in Skidmore with this, this, everybody, all the showers had this massive, I don't know what you used at the time, uh, to get rid of crabs. We don't know either. Well, it was... I had crabs once that had nothing to do with the acting company. Oh. And I, re I remember it was Nicky Marciano and he gave it to me three times. <laughs> I believe it's give me crabs once, shame on that guy. <laughs> he's my, he was my boyfriend from Long Island. I'm in New York City. So I don't know who he's fucking in Long Island, but I'm coming... Again, what's the story? And I remember, I remember I went into a pharmacy because I, I was working at Civic and Sons with, Eli with Elizabeth. I can't remember her name, but she was Argentina. I went, Elizabeth, I don't know what's going on. She said, let me see your pencil. Thank you for And she looked down and she went, 
She pulled it up. She went, you got crabs? <laughs> I said, what do I do, Elizabeth? So she told me to go to the pharmacy, blah, blah, blah. And I went to the pharmacy, my pharmacy on the corner, like 86th and 3rd. And I was so embarrassed. And I remember going, yes. I have crabs! <laughs> I screamed it at the top of my lungs. And they gave me something, and that took care of that. But that, but then I got crabs again. <laughs> From the costumes. <laughs> we had, you know, we had Elizabethan and Jacobean costumes. That you don't know where the crabs explain were. explain how you got crabs the second time. Because, oh, but Nikki. Nikki oh, gave me crabs. Okay. Nikki I said, Nikki, I have crabs. Stop what you're doing, whatever you're doing. Yeah. On Long Island, in Mastic Shirley. Just stop it. Okay, Patty. You're my girlfriend. Nikki, I've got crabs again. <laughs> Nikki Marciano. I don't know where Nikki Marciano is. Now. What about the third time? Nikki! Again. Oh, I got it. Got Nikki! It. Not the shirt. Then I finally broke up with Nikki. <laughs> I'm glad that Krabs got you out, out, out of that relationship. Um, Me too. I couldn't. Don't you wonder where no. your old boyfriends are? No. I do. I wonder where they all are, and I wonder if they're looking. You know what I mean? I wonder if they're looking. I wonder if they're going, gee, I made a mistake. I hope so. They were so. all assholes. Yes, me too. Motherfucking yes. assholes. And, and, and um, I would date ones whose egos were in inverse proportion to what they contributed to society. Right. Underwhelming assholes. Is, yes, you know. right. And, and they were our boyfriends. So yeah. what does that say about us? No, not, not, not good. <laughs> I was very insecure, to be honest. Me were too. You? Oh, totally. Totally. I, 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 to this day, tried to figure out why... I chose those guys. Do you know what I mean? And why yeah. those? And, and I think like most women, we like the bad guy. We like the guy that's going to, like, I don't know. I, it's, I don't think it's about anything about changing them. It's just the bad guy. Like, I didn't mean to go for that, but I ended up going for that. I think that's just in our, I don't know. I think in my DNA, it's, the, it's like, ooh. He's, I liked the greasers in high school. I did not like the jocks. We didn't I, have greasers. Oh, we had. <laughs> Well, you call By them the something 80s. else because you're younger than I am. Yeah. But frat boys are, yeah. No, well, there were the there no. were the jocks that played football. There were the bohemians in the music department, and there were the greasers who were just they didn't fit anywhere. But they were the most interesting because they they really asserted an identity, and they didn't care, or they did care a lot. Who knows? But they were always more interesting to me than you know the, than the jocks because the jocks were like. Meh. Meh. Well, they were this. They were the same person. Yeah, they were the it's same good. Person. It's good to generalize about them. Yeah, and make them all feel like they were. Well, the they same were. Based they on were. what I'm saying, they were. Where um, are they now? I. When did that change for you? What? That I didn't like greasers anymore. When you, you didn't go for guys who were going to treat you badly. When I met my husband. On the set. On the set of Life Goes On. My husband is a saint. That to put I up. I thought it was on LBJ. On LBJ. Yeah. yeah. Thank God, Lyndon Johnson, he does not get enough credit for That's so right. many things. No, but he doesn't and get enough. And this a is no. an example of but it. No, but no, but that was, you know, my husband is, is, is an amazing man, and we have a, an incredible son as a result of our union, and it's a lot of my husband, and not as much as me, and he's, my son is lucky for that. Um, and no crabs. <laughs> Josh? <laughs> we just we just simultaneously traumatized Poor your son. kid. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about uh, Avita because you know I can understand weathering 
reviews, but I, I really did want to ask about getting death threats. I mean, how did you deal with that? Um, this is you and Evita. Yeah, that was, yeah. And Mandy. Um, well, because... Potemkin. Yeah. My heart, my soul. Um, Evita Peron was a Nazi, Nazi sympathizer. I remember when we were doing this and, and in Los Angeles and, and um, New York. Um, I don't remember this happening in San Francisco. But people would come backstage that were Argentinian and would tell me whether, that I had her to a T. And they would be pro-peronistas and they would be anti-peronistas. What they saw on the stage was what they wanted to see. Yeah. And she, I was convinced that she was manipulating this whole thing because she was vilified when she, when she eventually died very young. And she's now being glorified. And there was a, it was a very um, innovative production. Hal did an extraordinary production. The music was odd. I remember the first time I heard the White Album, which is white with red letters of Evita, and it's Julie Covington and David Essex and Colm Wilkinson, and I thought, ugh, no, this music. And I didn't like the music at all. Yeah. And, but Hal took it out of a sort of a, 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 a modern pop uh, genre and made it more dramatic. And his production was quite extraordinary. But there are two things here. And I miss the guy or the woman. But years ago, um, in the 70s, 80s, up, up to maybe the early 90s, there were you'd get a bomb threat on opening night and, the, and you thought it was good luck. Eventually, that's good luck because the police and the police dogs would, would, would sweep the house. And you went, oh, it's, we got a bomb threat. Got a good show tonight. And a melt Doesn't happen anymore, so the guy must have died. But the bomb threats for Evita were serious bomb threats. They were, people resented the fact that, that we were glorifying Evita Peron and the Peronistas and the Nazi sympathizers. I, I couldn't believe that Amelda Marcos came. Was it her? Yes, yeah, she did come. What's yeah. the matter with me? Well, she, did. she did. That's right. And so did the Queen of Thailand. And they came backstage. The, the protocol people came. She didn't come backstage. Um, Amelda Marcos didn't oh. come backstage. But, but the Queen of Thailand came backstage. <laughs> and um, their, her protocol people came back and said, taught me how to bow. I'd never bowed to royalty. But then my hairdresser, as he's putting on my wig, said, honey, you know what you should tell them? When you meet the queen, you should say, oh, honey, the only queens I know are hairdressers. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead with the promise that you will come back because I just want to talk about your TV career a little bit because I know we're also going to have a treat of you guys singing and I want to make time for that. But um, I am so happy that television has finally caught up and giving you the nuanced roles you deserve. Oh, thank you. Um, you're an unbelievable actress. And I just want to show... Katie. Thank you. I want to show two clips because you can do drama, you can do comedy, you can do it all. Tonight we have lots of multi-hyphenates. So I'm going to show Penny Dreadful oh. and then back to back with um, Adult Swim, um, Brett Gelman's. Um, Stand up and take a bow, Brett! <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's see a little clip from, from Penny Dreadful and then... Let's start with sin. Have you sinned? Everyone has sinned. Have they? Mm -hmm. Including you? Yes. When? <laughs> How long is your cylinder? It's 
start with the first time. Apart from childhood indiscretions, the first of importance, then. I... I betrayed my dearest friend Mina on the eve of her wedding. How? How? I seduced her fiancé. What was the result? It led to catastrophe. And eventually her death. You blame yourself for her death? Indirectly. What directly, then? It's hard to say. Can you turn that off? No. Tell me your story. And if it involves murder? Then let it. And much beyond that. What's beyond murder? Green is so good. Okay. I just want to get these in. I love that picture of you. <laughs> it's totally over the top. Happy 40th anniversary, mom and dad! Oh, look at all these cameras! I'm going to be a star! Oh, you sure are, Ma. So it's not enough that you're a fancy showbiz queer? You're trying to make me look like one, too? Well, the last time I checked, these wrists don't limp. And these fists don't skimp on the work they do, knocking the teeth out of your big Jew mouth. You won't lay a finger on my baby! No, no one lays a finger on your baby but you, you sick bitch. You want a son! I just want someone who loves me! Well, guess what, honey? Your wish is about to come true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come on, Brad. It's time to go home. Give Mommy what she wants. Better do as he says. Oh. Might not be so bad. Might as well enjoy it. Yeah, and I'll be right over here watching, blowing like Mount Olympus. Hey, waiter, bring me a cup of olive oil. Oh, no, stop. That's it. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I can't either. Will you please stop interrupting this? It is so rude. The creator of it is right back there, Brett Gelman. <laughs> He's also naked in the last scene of, uh, in the last episode of Mad Men, but I, I love this show so much. I think he's brilliant, and you're so funny in it, and that's Tony Roberts from Annie Hall. Um, but I, I wanna, I'm so excited that you're here, and one of the reasons is because Titus Burgess had claimed on Seth Rudetsky's show that he could sing in your range, and I was wondering if you guys could prove that. I believe that Titus does sing in my range, totally. Can we see it? Is, are you guys okay if we um, have... What? So, could you do um, Meadowlark? Would I think we cool? are doing Meadowlark. Okay, great. This is one of Patty's signature songs, and now also Titus's. Um, and we're going to have Andrew Gorelli, our wonderful pianist, come in and accompany us. Mr. Titus Burgess is back. Wait. I did not claim that. Seth Rudetsky claimed that. But I bet you do. Well, <laughs> I'm so obsessed with you, and I cannot even believe this is happening. Uh, I just, this is way too much. And 
I know that you are the queen of the coalition of turn your fucking phones off, but can I please <laughs> record this, Patty? Please? Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you kidding? No gay we're, person we're in America will believe video. this ever happened if I didn't film it. I hope I can sing in my case. Oh, my God. This is so crazy, y'all. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> so you guys, this is ready? totally impromptu. They did not oh, rehearse. Sing off. <laughs> my friends are going to cry. Actually, here we go. When I was a girl, I had a favorite story of the meadowlark who lived with the river's wine. Bronze and golden, golden bread, and he fed her fruit and nuts from an ivory chalice, and he prayed, sing for me, my meadowlark, sing for me of the silver morning, set me free, my meadowlark, and I'll buy you a priceless tuba, for Kate and crew, yeah, and I'll love you for life if you will sing for me. Then one day, as the lark sang by the water, the god of the sun heard her in his flight, and a singing moved him, so he came and brought her the gift of sight. He gave her sight, and she opened. Shiver and a splendor of this beautiful young god, so proud and strong. And he called to the rock in a voice both rough and tender. Come on. of lungs and peaches that's as far as your vision reaches lie with me but the meadowlark said no for the old king loved her so she couldn't bear to wound his pride so the sun god flew away and when the king came down that day he found his meadowlark had died every time I heard I cried, and now I stand here starry-eyed and stormy, oh, just when I thought my heart was finally numb, a beautiful young man appeared before me, singing, come, oh won't you come, and what can I do if I think for the first time? The one I'm burning for returns a glow. If love has come at last, it's been the worst time. Still I know I've got to go my way. Meadowlark, fly away in the silver morning. If I stand, I'll curse the dark. So it's all for the days we'll find you. I know I leave wounds behind me, but I want my tomorrow find me. Bye.
show and y'all how about this show give it up for katie give it up for the guests tonight come on thank you guys for being here this is challenging because there were so many beautiful moments so i've got a couple of minutes here we'll see if we can put them into a wrap-up all right all right all right all right yo rewind the show everybody back up it's time for the employee of the month wrap up guess number one better hold your plaque up Time for your employee of the month wrap up. Guess number one, it's so good I'm nervous. It's the triple threat, Mr. Titus Burgess. We know when he's in the building, like when he's dressed as a crab, scaring children. Although we cut some schools important for all of us. Make some noise for Mr. Titus Andronicus. He knows his pinos and connected to the source. Give it up for his sassafras ass, he's a force. All right, Titus, hold that plaque up and now for employee two. Wrap up, guest number two. Oh, good god damn, am I dreaming or was it Mr. John Ham? Wait, oh, he's still here. Everybody give up a little bit of cheer. Well educated, plus he knows the street. Complimented Katie on her mic technique. My favorite female detective in look, bud. Sign me up for one of those fabulous foot rubs. You've been walking into rooms for some time. Everyone here is thinking, please walk into mine. Smart, attractive, six foot ten. We're jealous. That's what makes us mad, men. All right, John, you gotta hold that plaque up. Time for our final guest. Rip the wrap up. Guest number three, priceless on the microphone. Give some love to the legendary Patty Lapone. Yeah, that's that cheer. Oh my gosh, we're so glad that you could be here. You're a force of nature. Nothing can stop you. If I was your brother, yo, I would never drop you. Your voice is the best thing. So arresting. I don't care if it's your wife. Stop the texting. And Mickey Marciano's got things that bite us. Now if you get crabs, I hope that crab is Titus. Patty, our love for you is so big. You're employee of the month, and this show is not rigged. All right, yo, that is the tally. Thank you for coming to the Employee of the Month finale! That's it for this episode. I want to thank Andrew Bancroft. Well, technically JLED, technically the intern's intern, Shockwave, Eric Biondo, Justin Carroll. Um, they are a unbelievable band. I'm so privileged to be able to perform with them each month. To find out when we'll be back at Joe's Pub, which is starting in the fall, go to at Katie Lazarus. Um, to find out ways you can get involved with Employee of the Month show, please go to employeeofthemonthshow.com. And otherwise, enjoy your summer.